0: You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Today, we are going to be finishing up a series. If you've not been with us, we've been going through a series through the book of Revelation called Is This the End? Valid question to ask in light of all the events we've walked through this last year. And uh, we've been walking through Revelation. If you want to catch any of the old past messages, you can go to our Facebook page, click the videos tab, or probably easier would be going to youtube.calvaryerwin.com, our YouTube channel, and you can see all the past messages and uh, dive into some of those. Uh, today, before we jump into the, to God's word, I want to mention two things. One, next week we're going to be kicking off a new series called Goliath must fall. If you've faced giants in your life, things that have been overwhelming, bigger than what you can handle, uh, we're going to be walking through uh, different giants that we face and how we overcome them, and what it means to overcome giants in our life. That God doesn't design us to just lay over and give up and 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 throw in the towel, but He's called us to overcome giants because He is a God of the impossible. So we're going to be kicking that off next weekend which is our freedom weekend we'll be doing baptisms outside we have the cone ice truck coming free cone ice for everyone it's gonna be a great great weekend to celebrate the fourth of july one other thing i i have to mention um pastor dave martin is back in the house back there um some of you have no idea what that means uh Pastor Dave has gone through, uh, over three months now, journey. He had surgery on his heart, open heart surgery, and had a lot of complications, pneumonia, and blood clots in his lung, and, uh, is, was in basically, uh, induced coma for quite a while, and man, God is working in his body, and we're so happy to have him back here today, and, uh, Um, Many of you are praying for him, and um, God answers prayer. So Dave, it's awesome to have you back, and we can't wait to have you up here, getting to preach again here soon. So uh, we're excited for Pastor Dave to be up here, uh, for to be back. So today, we're uh, we're finishing out this series, and uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about some pretty crazy, difficult, uh, significant things that uh, Revelation outlines that will happen in the last days, the end times, and uh, the culmination of all of that happens uh with this idea of heaven heaven now um i want to tell you this this quick story there's this man who died and he goes to heaven uh saint peter was there at the pearly gates waiting for him and saint peter said welcome to heaven before you go in and see the big guy i have a question for you what's one of the best acts of kindness you've ever done in your entire life And this guy is just so excited to be in heaven. He said, well, St. Peter, believe it or not, one time, I was just minding my own business. There was this uh, little old lady and this huge, uh, scary group of hell's angels come. And they're they're the meanest looking guys you've ever seen. And they're about to attack, attack this old lady and steal her purse. And, and, and he said, you know, uh, as I was standing there watching this all unfold, suddenly like this sense of bravery came over me, and I stepped in front of this older lady, and I said, you will not touch her. You're not going to hurt her. And St. Peter looked, man, you're not a very big guy. That's impressive. Uh, that's an amazing uh, act of kindness to do. And he said, yes, sir, I did. It was an act of kindness. It was a remarkable moment. And St. Peter said, well, well, when exactly did this happen? And the guy replied, well, I'm guessing about two, maybe three minutes ago was when it all went down. Um, some of you will catch that in a minute. T- today, uh, as we close out this series, Is This the End?, You know, we've talked about the end of the church and what we often refer to as the rapture. Uh, We talked about the end of restraint a couple weeks ago, the the beginning of the great tribulation, the judgments of God that we see outlined in the book of Revelation. Last week, we talked about the end of silence, the conclusion of the great tribulation, this horrific, painful time in in history that will take place. Today, we're going to be closing out this journey through Revelation, talking about this subject of heaven. And and truthfully, most people have no clue what heaven is. Will be like. In fact, if I were to ask people, "What do do you think heaven is like? What do you believe about heaven?" A lot of people would say their beliefs are really based on on, on corny jokes like the one I just told, Uh, or or some might say, "Well, uh, what I believe in heaven is really based on what I've seen in the movies." And and if you're, you know, my generation, you grew up around my my age, you you would assume that God looks like Morgan Freeman. If you're, if you're maybe a little older than me, you might think that uh, God looks like George Burns. Whoever it might be, uh, we have this picture of God that's really based on what we've seen on mo- in movies or on television. The sad reality is most people, and that would include many of us even here today, huh, really don't understand what heaven is like. In fact, a lot of people, when they think of heaven, they think of this never-ending church service. Maybe you've had this thought before. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 you see themselves in these white choir robes singing worship songs uh, for, for hundreds of years. Uh, you know, it sounds really cool at first, but after you know, a couple hundred years of that, you're like, really, come on, let's get this thing on the road. Let's get moving. Uh, some of you, you're thinking, you're visualizing that, and you might be thinking to yourself, we just sang four songs at church, and, and that was a little more than I needed. Uh, I, I mean, how in the world am I going to do this forever and ever and ever in heaven? The reason most of us think this way, this is what heaven's going to be like, is because most people truly don't understand heaven, or what heaven's going to be like. And the reason, I believe, is because sometimes we're working with inaccurate information. You know, the beginning of this series, the first week we talked about, oftentimes we hear these rumors about how the end's going to go, and, and, and the best way to, to identify what's the truth, what, what's really going to happen, is to look at the source, and that's what we want to do today today. We don't look at the source. In fact, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in, in the second part of the Bible, known as the New Testament, in verse 9, it says this, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Do you notice what Paul's writing there? No eye, no ear, no human mind can even conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. None of us can even picture or fathom what heaven is actually gonna be like. So, So as I share this message today, let me just say up front, I've already realized that I'm going to fail miserably at trying to paint a picture of heaven because no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive. We can't even conceive what heaven's gonna be like. It's so much greater than what we can. And, and as I was preparing this, uh, how can I possibly put this into words? How can we possibly put into words what no mind can even conceive? Let me, let me explain it this way. Maybe you uh, can think of a time, one of those moments where you have sat back and you thought, wow, this is so special. I, w- I wish this moment would last forever. Or, or you step back and say, man, life doesn't get any better than this. Have you ever had that moment? Um, we've had those moments in our family uh, where you know we're out to eat, we've braved the uh, craziness of going out to eat with four kids, and we sit there, and like for a brief 30 seconds, 60 seconds, everything is calm, everyone's eating and pl- doing their thing, no one's fighting, no one's biting each other, no one's scratching or... And we're like, wow, does it get any better than this? I don't know if you've been in that place before. Uh, Notice I said 30 seconds, 60 seconds, because that's about what we get. Uh, And and, and these are moments where where we we try to capture a snapshot in our minds of that, that moment. Maybe for you it's been on vacation, or a moment where you have your family over for the holidays, and you sit back and just take the moment in. These are special moments. Here's the truth, though. For those that are believers in Jesus, not only does it get better, but in heaven, it's infinitely, indescribably better than we could even imagine. (laughs) And the reason so many of us can't even get our minds around it is because our picture of heaven is so drastically distorted. (laughs) Now, Isaiah chapter 14 in the Old Testament, first part of the Bible, tells us this story about uh, this guy named Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer is now known as the prince of darkness, Satan, the father of lies. And and he was this guy who actually was in heaven at one point, (laughs) and was a really important player in heaven. And the story tells us that he wanted to be like God. You know, he, he basically said, hey, I, I want your position, and God cast him out. And, and as he cast him out, a third of his angels followed him, and they became known as what we know today as demons. And, and, and I believe since that time, Satan, the father of lies, has been lying to us about eternity. In, in fact, I would argue that our spiritual enemy is trying to twist our view of heaven and what heaven's about. So today, as we strive to get this healthy view of heaven, I want to pull back the curtain to these to two of the lies that Satan, I believe, tries to dis- deceive us with on this topic, this idea of heaven. And here's the first one, the uh, first lie that he tells us, that heaven can wait. This, this is a lie that, that, that uh, while heaven may be a good place to go, that maybe we shouldn't be in any sense of urgency to get there. Because the reality is for a lot of us, we're pretty happy with the way things are. I remember as a child watching like these end time movies and I would sit in my bedroom and pull the blanket over my head because I didn't want to go to heaven yet. Like if Jesus is coming back for rapture, I'm like, I'm 12, I want to enjoy high school. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know... 15, I want to I know what it's like to drive a car, I want to have a job, I, I want to you know, get married, I want to have kids. And, and I was like, I don't want to leave earth yet, I'm, I'm a little happier. Maybe you, if you're honest, or, or earn that place as well. And, and the truth, uh, the lie that the enemy tries to convince us of is that it, it, if, if we were really honest, that maybe heaven can wait. That, that our treasure is here more on earth than it is in heaven. That our hearts drift more toward the things of this world than they do toward the things of the world to come. And in fact, one preacher was talking to his church and he said to everybody, how many of you guys want to go to heaven today? And, and most people raised their hands except for one guy. And, and the, the pastor was like, why, why does not he raise his hand? So he took it a step further and he said, that, that's kind of strange, but he said, well, well, those of you who want to go to heaven today, Would you just stand up right where you are? And everyone stood up except for this this one guy. And and this bothered the pastor. So after the service and everything, the pastor goes up to this guy and he said, Sir, sir, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? And the guy said, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want want to go to heaven. But I thought you were getting a group together to go right now. (laughs) You, You see, for a lot of us, we want to go to heaven one day, but our hearts Don't drift toward heaven today. And if we're really honest, we think, man, my life is pretty good here. How could heaven be any better? But I want to share this powerful thought with you uh, that David, King David, in the Old Testament had recorded in Psalm chapter 84, verse 10. He, He wrote this, better is, I want to stop there for a second, better is. Can you say that with me? Better is. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day, one moment with God in heaven than your best days anywhere else. In fact, I would argue that your most dull, meaningless moment in heaven will far exceed your greatest moments here on earth, as great as they might be. Better is one moment with him than a thousand years everywhere else. If you've ever had one of those moments where you said, man, I wish this moment, I wish we could capture this moment. I wish it would last forever. Let me promise you, on earth, it will not. In one fleeting moment, it passes because even the best, most memorable pleasures here on earth are temporary but here's what scripture says in psalm 16 verse 11 it says you will fill me with joy in your presence with listen to this eternal pleasures at your right hand you see what psalmist says there eternal pleasures see today all we know are temporary pleasures even the best that we can experience here on earth are temporary but but god with god in heaven we will know eternal pleasures that will never pass away The first lie we see is heaven can wait. The second one is this, the lie that most people are going to heaven. Most people are going to heaven. In fact, if you interviewed people today, most of them would say, well, absolutely, I'm hopefully going to heaven. I found a study that illustrates this. It said that for every one person in our nation that believes he or she is going to hell, there are 120 who believe they're going to heaven. That's 120 to 1. What does that tell us? That, 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 that means that a lot of people, many, many people, are deceived. They're, they're confused. Look what Jesus said. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. What's he saying? Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Like, everyone can fit on it. Many are on it. But narrow is the road that leads to life. Only a few will actually find it. You see, a lot of people, they think that heaven is our default destination. It's the default. Like, like have you ever tried to figure out a new, like, passcode on, a, on a, a, a device that you're trying to figure out, like, how do I open this? What's the combination? And the default is always zero, zero, zero. I hope I didn't ruin that for anyone. Let the secret out of the bag. Um, that's like your default password, right? And and then you change it to something that everyone doesn't. For one out of ten of us, we change it to something else. The rest of us were like, "Wait, it, it's working. Why why fix it?" Um, most people think our default destination is heaven, but it's not. See, because of sin, hell is our default destination. I know that's not a popular thing to say, but but until we realize and accept the grace and beauty and love of God's Sinless son Jesus, hell is our default destination. What we've talked about these last few weeks with the tribulation, this is the default ending point for our world unless we embrace his forgiveness and purpose that Jesus has for our lives. In fact, let's do this. With the rest of our time together, what I want to do is I want to try to give us a glimpse of what heaven will be like. And admittedly, as I mentioned earlier, this is a really difficult challenging task. We're gonna, uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the book of Revelation chapter 21 and let these verses speak to us. Now, if you uh, don't remember from the past few weeks, uh, Revelation was written by the Apostle John who was exiled on the island of Patmos. And uh, the book of Revelation is really a vision. It's a re- literally a revelation that God had given to, to John. And near the end of this book, the book of Revelation, God gives him this vision of heaven. Could you imagine John, the Apostle John, he is uh, a prisoner because of preaching the gospel. He's now uh, sent to this island, Patmos. Traditions tell us that they gouged his eyes out. So he's, uh, he's medically blind. He's now on this island. And on this uh, prisoner island of Patmos, God gives him this vision of the end. And he goes through what we've talked about these last couple weeks, the tribulation. How horrific, how like draining and exhausting that must have been for John to be recording this amount of pain that we have never known. And then he gets to the end, to heaven. How exhilarating this must have been for John to, to be able to be given this vision of what was yet to come. Here's what he writes down. Here's what he records, the vision that he saw. It's recorded in Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I'm going to stop there for a second. When we see there's no longer any sea, we we assume, oh, there's no water. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, what, What John is writing here, he literally saw no sea, but what he was talking about is what the sea represented in the first century. The sea embodied chaos, turmoil storms brood over bodies of water. And, and, and the sea was a symbol of turmoil and of chaos in the first century world. And what John is trying to communicate here is in this new heaven and new earth, there's no turmoil, there's no, there's no uh, chaos, that, 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 that all of the pain that, that, that exists in our world is gonna be gone. And he goes, goes on in verse two. He said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, and I want to stop there for a second. This phrase that that I heard a loud voice from the throne, this was the 20th time this phrase is used in the book of Revelation. It would actually be the final time that the phrase a loud voice from heaven is used in, in this book. And the very next words that are issued after this statement, I think are some of the most important words that will ever come from the heart of God. Listen to what it says. Uh, Verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Uh, what's happening here? What, 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 kind of, uh, what, what can we kind of conclude or come to from here? There's, there's a, a few things I want to share that we kind of get from these verses. As, as this heavenly announcement, this last announcement is made, the 20th time in the Revelation, that God is going to dwell with his people, that this new heaven and new earth has come, There there are a few conclusions, three, that I want to kind of walk through these next few moments before we wrap up today. The first one's this, and this might be new to you, but most conservative scholars would agree with this, that God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Following the return of Jesus, following the millennial reign of Christ, God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. We see in verse 1 here that, 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 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth will pass away. The very, what does this mean? The, the very same God who offers us new life in Christ. The very same God who, who, who gives you a new, resurrected, glorified body will also bring a new heaven and a new earth. What God does in your life, he's gonna do with our world. In fact, if you go from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So if you're not familiar, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. If you walk through the entire scope of scripture, there's this thread that is woven in every book. And as we've talked about in the past, there are a lot of different types of literature in the Bible. There's narrative and there's poetry and there's songs and there's apocalyptic writing, which Revelation is. There's a lot of different types of writing, but through it all, through all the stories, through all the different writings, through all the different books of the Bible, This thread of redemption is woven. What's the purpose of the thread of redemption? Redemption. God is working everything to redeem the world, to restore the world, to get the world back to that Garden of Eden moment that existed before sin entered the world. And now, now, Revelation 21, what's happening? God has finally reached that point. That, that, that he is now bringing about a new heaven and a new earth, just as he does for your life, that maybe you were lost in your sin, your past, and, and God transforms you radically and redeems your life and all the pain and mistakes you made in your past don't count against you in the sense that, that, that you're able to move forward and God's able to shape you and mold you into a man or woman of God. God now does that with our earth, with the world. They've now passed away. The very same God that does that is able to do that with our world. In, in Luke, Luke's gospel, chapter 16, there's this story of a, of a rich guy who goes to this place called Hades. It, it was a place of torment. It, it was actually translated in some versions of the Bible as the word hell. We know, though, that eventually, you know, Scripture says that death and Hades or hell will be thrown into eternal fire. That, that this is a, there's this place of torment, Hades, that exists right now. But one day, there will be a final separation from God, in the lake of fire. We also know that to be absent from the body, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said to, this, to the criminal on the cross who, who repented, uh, Today you will be with me where? If you know the, the story, he said, You will be with me in paradise. He was saying that you would be with Jesus in this place called heaven, a beautiful place where people dwell in the presence of God, not absent from God, but in the presence of God. One day, God will create this new heaven, this new earth. Uh, There are other verses that explain this really well throughout Scripture in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. Isaiah 65, 17 says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. God even talks about this in the Old Testament. The New Testament, elsewhere, 2 Peter three thirteen it says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Going along this line of thinking, you know, we can't be sure, but if there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth, and if believers one day inherit the earth, and if we are called to roll and reign with God on that earth, chances are really good that most of the things you enjoy on earth now chances are pretty good that you'll be able to enjoy many of those things in a new heaven, and a new earth. Only there will be no sin. There will be no pain. Meaning if, if you like playing golf today, chances are good. I can't prove this completely. But you'll probably be able to play golf in some of the most beautiful courses you've ever known. Only the green fees will be much cheaper in heaven, right? Maybe I'll even venture out into the, the golf course. Probably not. Uh, Sorry for all you golfers, I just can't get used to hitting a little white ball. I'll stick to basketball. If you enjoy gardening, imagine gardening in a place like Garden of Eden, a place with no curse. I know it's hard to get your mind around because it's beyond your experience or even your imagination. That's why when I try to describe this, what this new place will be like, I'm going to fail because I've never been there. And and I can confidently say, if you think this world is good, here's what you need to understand. All that you know about this world that is good is under the curse. So even the best parts of this world, you're getting the best that God has to offer that's still under the curse. When, When it's redeemed, when it's restored, a million years of happiness and joy and harmony and peace and security and intimacy and fellowship and worship will be like nothing you've ever known uh, because you'll fully know what it's like to dwell in the presence and glory of God. Then you'll see things as they really are with all the beauty and grandeur that God intended from the beginning uh, uh, of, of, of of the universe because when God restores the earth, creates a new heaven and a new earth, it will be without blemish, or distortion of sin and destruction. It will be a place where we dwell with God forever. The first conclusion we come to here is uh, that, that God will create a new heaven and a new earth. The second we can learn from these verses is that God will do away with death, mourning, and pain. Let's look at this again. Verse four, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, "I am making everything new." Then he said, "Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true." Imagine this. I want you to think about what in the world, what in this world bothers you. What what hurts? Some of you, you get headaches. In this world, there there are no more. In the new heaven, a new earth, no more headaches. Some of you, it's backaches. No more backaches. Some of you, it's arthritis. It will pass away. No more. Some of it's sickness. It's gone. Some of you, right now, you're worried. You're tense. You've, you've got stress about your job, your finances, the economy, gas prices, braces for your kids, fighting in your marriage. All of it. No more. It all passes away. Think about this. Have you ever lost someone you love? And you know the pain that goes with it. Or, or you're worried about losing someone. No more death ever again. For those who hurt, you've been burned by someone. You find it difficult to trust again. No more sin. No more pain in relationships. You will know and you will be known. And you will share your heart. You will be loved intimately. No more poverty no more kids or babies dying today because they lack nourishment. No more disease, no more death, no more, no more genocide, no more AIDS, no more COVID, no more cancer. Imagine a world with all of that gone. Think about this. Any tear that you shed for whatever reason, God himself, Scripture says, will comfort you. And he will personally wipe away your tears. What will heaven be like? There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more pain. What an incredible place to be. The first thing we see, that God will create a new heaven and a new earth. The second, God will do away with death, mourning, and pain. And the third thing, I think, is the most profound of all conclusions we can come to about heaven. This is is earth-shattering, if you think about it. We understand that God himself, God himself, will dwell with us. Now, for some of you, you, might be like, okay, what's the big deal? We're gonna dwell with God forever. So what? Think about this. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, will live with us. And this is the most shocking statement for anyone who understands the transcendence of God. In fact, when you look at what Scripture says, no one, no one can look upon God and live. We can't handle his glory. We can't handle his goodness. In the Old Testament, Moses, Moses comes to God and he says, God, I want to see you. Give me a peek, God. Just give me a peek of your glory. I just want to see you. And God said, you can't handle that. So so God tells Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go bury your face in this, this side of a mountain. And what I'll do is I'll pass by you and I'll put my hand over you. And when I go by, I'll let you see the very end, the tail end of my glory, because you can't handle any more than that. You you, you and I, we get to dwell with that God, with that God, fully, not not protected or guarded. We get to experience the full extent of his glory and presence. In the Old Testament, the, the high priest was only allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies, the dwelling place of God, once a year. Once a year, one time a year. And tradition tells us that when he went in there, they'd actually tie a rope to his body. Because just in case, when he was in there, in the presence of God, if he dropped dead, they'd just pull his body out with a rope because they knew even the high priest, even the, the top dog, even the high priest might not be able to survive the presence of God. And yet, here's what scripture says. You will dwell with him that's heaven at its best, that we get to dwell in the presence of God. Verse 3 of Revelation 21 says, And I heard a loud voice of the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now. Can you say now? Now among the people, and he will dwell with them. I could argue all day, and I'm sure you could too, but uh, that, that all of Scripture, from beginning to end, is really geared toward one thing. God's dream of dwelling with his creation, finally. All of it. If you read from Old Testament to New Testament, in the New Testament, Matthew, first book of the New Testament, one of the main themes of the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, is Emmanuel, that Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. The beginning, the end of Matthew says that that surely he is with us even to the end of the age. What's God trying to convey? His goal, his dream is to be with us. And here, Revelation 21 God finally fulfills it. He fulfills this dream. Do you understand how this verse is such a beautiful depiction of what God hope and hopes for us? He finally is gonna experience unbroken fellowship with us. Those of you who have kids or maybe grandkids, you, you maybe get them together once a year, like for birthday or holiday, and, and I would venture to guess life probably has its best meaning In some of those moments. Because you're all together. You're all together in one place. And you're like, ah, our family's together again. This is wonderful. That's God's dream for you and for us. Here's what scripture says in Revelation 22.3. The very next chapter. It says, no longer will there be any curse. The curse is gone, it's broken. The throne of God and the, the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Scripture says, we will see his face. We will see his face. Throughout scripture, that was impossible. And it's in that moment when you truly see him that your life will be forever altered, I promise you. When you see his goodness, when you see his glory, when you see his mercy, when you see his grace, at that moment, all of his attributes are going to become real to you and to I, to me. All of a sudden, you're going to look at him you're going to say, God, you, you are my rock. You are my salvation. You are my redeemer. You are my righteousness. You're my provider. You're my comforter. You are everything I've ever desired. Right, right in that one place. And at that moment, you're going to start to worship because you can't do anything else. You're, 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 you're going to worship. And when you've worshiped for a long time, the words of amazing grace will take on entirely new meaning to you. What are those words the song says in the last verse? And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's grace than when we'd first begun. That might sound like forever, 10,000 years. All of it will change when we see him. As the worship team comes today, our view of heaven has been twisted. Your spiritual enemy wants you to think that heaven can wait. <laughs> live for, for, for today, he says. Live, live for these things right now, he says. Let it all be about you, he says. He tries to convince you to not let your mind go to that place. Because if you do, you might truly become like Christ. You, you might truly become great. You might truly become a kingdom player in this world. You might truly leave a spiritual legacy. That will change generations and generations to come that we, we talked about today, with Karen Pearl. You might become one of those people. And, and Satan doesn't want you to become that way. And he tries to convince us heaven can wait. The second lie is that everybody's going to heaven, it's our default destination. That, that way, you never really have to examine yourself and ask, Am I truly living the way of Jesus? And then you can float through life like so many do, completely deceived. I'm a pretty good person, yeah, I go to church every once in a while. I've done some good things, therefore I must be going to heaven. But Jesus said, narrow is the gate that leads to life, and only a few find it, but broad is the road that leads to destruction, and so many are on it. So for those that aren't living this way of Jesus, may the Holy Spirit today he burn, burn an eternal message in you and draw you close to him draw you to the path, the narrow path that he has for you. And and for those of you who are in Christ, my challenge to you is may you live for the real rewards, the rewards of heaven, understanding the horror of hell, but recognizing that when you meet Christ and he blesses you with a beautiful life here on earth, the greatest moments you could ever have, when you wanna say it doesn't get any better than this, understand it actually does the believer in Christ it is indescribably infinitely better than anything you could ever dream or imagine of would you bow your heads with me this morning Lord I thank you for this day God I know that you have supernatural things in store for us Jesus as we face this topic of heaven and eternity and what that looks like for each and every one of us God I pray that you would make the next steps clear what do we need to do in light of that well, what do we need to change in our lives or do differently in the context of, of eternity? Or when heaven isn't a default destination, what does that mean for us? As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here and you say, Nick, I, I, I've, I've tried to be a good person. I've done all the right things, so to speak, but I don't know if I'm right with God. I, I don't know if, if I were to, to die today, if I would step across the threshold of heaven. Or if I would spend eternity separate from God. I don't know. I want you to know that today you can make a decision, a commitment. Not, not like a get out of jail free card where, where the rest of your life is just, it's a, it's a beginning of a journey. You start. That narrow path is a journey. It is not a destination. And that today you say, Nick, I want to begin the journey of following Jesus what it means to live for Jesus, what it means to experience his forgiveness of my past, what it means to live for his purposes. If that's you this morning, you're like, I wanna start that journey. In a minute, I'm gonna count to three. I'm just gonna ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. As a physical act of your will to say, that's me. I wanna wanna start that journey today. And then we're gonna pray together. That's you on the count of three. I know God is just working on your heart right now. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen. Amen. Anyone else this morning? Amen. 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 You can put your hands down today. And for those of you who raised your hands and everyone else, we're gonna pray a prayer together. And I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me. And and this isn't some magic prayer or super spiritual prayer. It's just a conversation with God that I wanna lead you in. My hope is that that this conversation sparks many other conversations with God. That's all prayer is, that, that you continue to share what's on your heart with God. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not letting the lies that I've believed define me. Today I accept your forgiveness of my past. I commit to live for your eternal purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life. To show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Some of you prayed that prayer for the first time. I wanna encourage you, don't let it be the last step you take. We wanna get some resources in your hand. If you're watching online or you're here in person, I want you to go to connect.calvaryorwin.com, click I Committed My Life to Jesus tab, and and you can fill some information out there so we can get some resources in your hand to help you continue that journey. Uh, If you're in person here, you can stop by the Connection Center. We have a gift for you. and We can get that to you right away. But that journey is one that will last eternity. I don't, before we, we're going to sing a song here in a minute. Before we do, I just want to speak one more thing. You know, this is something that is, I was praying this morning. God just put on my heart. There's a verse in scripture, Matthew, uh, that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've heard it before. Oftentimes we recite it at funerals and moments like that. It said, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you guys ever heard that verse before? Some of you have. It's a great verse, we say it, it kind of rolls off our tongue, we don't even think about it. But here's God's goal for us. Yeah, one day we're gonna experience a new heaven and a new earth. But we get to experience a taste of heaven here on earth. Because Jesus prayed it. Lord, may your will be done on earth, where we're at right now, just as it is in heaven. Some of you, you've been walking through physical pain in your life. Physical pain. You've been asking God for healing, for a miracle in your body. Maybe a miracle in your family, your, your marriage, your job, your finances. Before we go into the song, I just want to pray. Not my prayer, it's Jesus' prayer. God may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does is, what is, what is, what, that mean? There's no more pain. There's no more sickness. There's no more disease. That God would bring heaven to earth in this moment. That God would heal because he can do it. That God would mend bones. That God would heal diseases. That God would provide. That God would I'll allow you to see your spouse in a different light, and actually get along with them, and have a conversation with them. That God would heal a broken family. God can do that. And I want to just pray just a moment. The supernatural God would do that, bring heaven to earth for all of us this morning. For those watching along, would you bow your heads with me, Lord? We come before you knowing that you are greater than anything we face. And Jesus, we just invite your presence and power into this place and and into the room that many are watching online. Lord, we just ask for your supernatural power to be released. Jesus, that heaven would come to earth in this moment. God, that your will would be done here on earth just as it is is in heaven. That there'll be no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, Lord, no more brokenness. Lord, that sin no longer would have its hold on us, Jesus, but that we would be free in Jesus' name. God, I just pray for healing and release it over people today. God, that they would be whole. Lord, that by your stripes we are healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Thank you for your healing power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If God's doing a miracle in your life, I want to encourage you just one thing. Whether it be you said, hey, today I want to begin a journey with Jesus or, or God's healing your body physically. Tell someone. Tell someone what's happening. We're gonna close with this song that many of us are familiar with called Amazing Grace. Let's take this time. We have a lot of busy schedules and a lot of things going on. Let's take these few moments to just turn our faces toward heaven and to give him the praise that he's worthy of. If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands this morning. Lord, we come before you and thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the, the eternal implications of that grace. Lord, of how you've saved us. Lord, that we were once far from you, enemies to God, but Lord, you have transformed us made us whole. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. Let's sing this song. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.